punch it! Alright, so the Midtown Radio launch party's in full swing. This is Mike and Angel, Devil's Cut. Pretty good party so far, Murray. It is. Um, we have all of the, uh, all the celebrities. All the celebrities are here. So Carl Carlson's here, everybody. Carl oh, Carlson. We got the Midtown Peeper. The Peeper's here. Yeah. yeah. He's keeping a close eye on things. We have Iceman Anu over there. Yep, yep, yep. We have uh, do- the doctor from East Ward. Yep. The good doctor. The Croatian sensation, Matt Antich, is here, everybody. Yeah. Hey, Hi. There he is. That was him. Well, what a difference a year makes. You've just heard a clip from our launch party. It happened on a hot summer's night a year ago today. Uh, And it was fantastic. It was attended by far more people than we expected. The mezzanine at Arabella Park was was just jam-packed. It was chaos. It was fantastic. We met so many people. And many of those people have gone on to become regular contributors for for Midtown Radio. Uh, in, in our first year, we have featured more than 70 local musicians. We have their music in our catalog. Uh, we have uh, over 20 contributors who regularly produce content, interviews, conversations, and uh, other types of music features. And we have 15 different shows that are produced on a weekly basis, just all about local content, local musicians, and then some exploring different musical genres, um, different literary genres. So we've really expanded our programming beyond just having music uh, on every hour, which we all, of course, also still do. Many of our daytime programs have that great local music that you can you can listen to while you're working, while you're at home. And we had great plans for our one-year anniversary to meet on a patio somewhere and have some pints and and talk about our wonderful first year. But of course, the times do not allow for that kind of celebration. And so we've decided to bring you a three-hour special to celebrate our first year on the air and to feature some of the individuals who've made that first year great. We have some clips from um, some of our programming, and we have interviews with some of our our content producers and some of those individuals who've been really significant and important in in helping get Midtown Radio um, on the air uh, and and kept us going for this first year. So please stay tuned, uh, please enjoy the content, and we're really looking forward to sharing some of our experiences over the the past year with you. Hear ye, hear ye. Gather round the Court of Midtown Bookshelf, where today, only the most majestic, regal, and worthy books are being crowned. This next book is a classic tale about the triumph of a little guy, or in this case, a little king. Serena, tell us about the story you've brought in today. Well, I was so happy to see the books that you and Allison chose this week because I knew we were going to get to explore some wonderful social issues through that story, those stories. And I'd like to share a book with you now that uses royalty and some fun wordplay to explore the little things in life. This is the first picture book from West Virginia storyteller, storyteller Bill Lepp, and it's illustrated with exceptional detail by David Wenzel, who's best known for adapting The Hobbit into a graphic novel. I am going to share with you today, The King of Little Things. The King of Little Things by Bill Lepp, illustrated by David Wenzel. 
Long ago, on the far side of a mountain, lived the king of And he never thought about little things in the same way again. The end. Wow, what a fun book. Wow, I was uh, I was laughing at a lot of the parts. It was was a really funny book. I love the big lists that you had to read. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, a bit of a tongue twister there. I did a little practicing. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I love that they chose all the little obscure things. The lentils was something that he, <laughs> he was in control over. That's awesome. Yeah, it was so imaginative and so creative. Like it really held my attention throughout the entire story. Yeah, I think the, the suggested ages for this book would be probably four to eight. But I imagine reading this with four-year-olds, you'll have a bit of explaining about one of what some of these items are. Yeah. Thankfully, you've got these really wonderful detailed illustrations which support the whole story and, and really take the, the reader along for a ride. Yeah, Serena, I took a look at the uh, at the illustrations. I took a look at the book online and the illustrations, they just seem like they have this, such, this classic medieval sort of regal vibe. I really think it, the, the illustrator did a fantastic job of capturing the spirit of the story. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you've enjoyed the book. I'm exploring all these royalty related books this week. It gave me a chance to experience how diverse the messages in in royalty related books can be. And in this case, we heard a message about valuing the contributions of small things. So I was wondering what sort of classroom lessons that you two might use this book for. I think the one that sprang to my mind would be, I would try to find a way to pair it maybe with some some gardening things to maybe talk a little bit about climate change or the importance of taking care of the environment. I mean, I think that you one thing you could do is you could read this book and talk about how, um, you know, even just one or two plants could make the schoolyard look a little bit more beautiful or how maybe ha- bringing in some na- a few little pieces of the natural world into the classroom might just brighten up the space. So I think I might try to do something along that way and maybe pair it with some outdoor learning, maybe build a little a little classroom garden or a little school garden to make a to make a bit of a, a, a little space there to brighten up a, and beautify the school. Nice. I didn't even think of that. That's that's a really lovely idea. Yeah. Um, I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, what character education we could pull out of it. And I think that although materialism and that concept is really important, I also really got um, the theme of competitiveness in this, um, which I think is really important for children of all ages. Um, you know, the the King Normus, which, by the way, what a fantastic character name. That's so funny. Um, so much clever work yeah, in this. I love it. Um, king Normus is, he's just so incredibly competitive with the king of little things. And I think that can come out in children sometimes, you know, they feel the need to be competitive about maybe what video games they have, what toys they have, what accomplishments they have achieved, you know, winning a medal or an award in a sport that they play. And you know, sometimes they just feel the need to devalue the smaller accomplishments of their peers. Um, it's It can be hard for them to see that a little thing that maybe their peer has accomplished or that their peer has, um, they find it hard to value that and be excited for their classmate as well. So I think that that competitive nature um, is something that is really important to address. And this story just does it really wonderfully. 
So that was really a great book and new to me, Serena. Thanks for bringing that in today. Um, what song did you bring for us to pair with it? This week I've chosen a neo-folk tune from local Kitchener band Safe As Houses. This song really evokes nostalgia and a desire to enjoy the little things in life. From their recent third album, Lucky Lucky, this is Alive. So you've just heard a clip from Midtown Bookshelf. This is a program that is on air every Sunday at 10 a.m. It's just after our Fam Jam Sundays programming and uh, Serena, Matt and Allison bring different picture books and talk about them, talk about what they mean and they feature a lot of uh, really great Canadian music in their program as well. And so now we're going to actually hear from the the producers of that show themselves. Uh, David and I sat down with them uh, earlier this week to talk about their program and um, hear, listen to what they had to say about, about why they started the program and, and where they're going in the future. My name is David Harms and I'm here with Danielle DeVoe and now speaking with the producers of Midtown Bookshelf. Matt Rappold, uh, Allison Dijek, and Serena McDermott. Welcome to the show. Thank Thanks you. so much. Hello. So um, I, we're thinking of where to start because it's um, it's such an interesting uh, year that we since the year that we launched. I feel like um, we met uh, like this time last year. It was right around when we launched the station, and we saw uh, uh, your band, I the Mountain, playing at the Cherry Park, I think, was it the Cherry Park Festival or one of them? It was Neighbor Day. It was Neighbor's Day, that was it. Yeah, Yeah. and oh yeah, at the the gazebo, uh, the Cherry Park gazebo. And from from sort of that period when we first met, in the context of of you guys being musicians, you went on tour. Uh, I know that happened. You guys, uh, you went on a tour uh, out east, and um, we were also out east at one point in there. And and you were doing a, a song launch at the time that we uh, premiered through Midtown Radio. That we set everything up electronically. And so I know we kind of got to know you a little bit through the music first, and then you know uh, move forward a couple of months. Uh, the Hefner Studios at the Kitchener Public Library open. Um, Matt started getting uh, involved in producing a radio show itself and then uh, we started working out of there so I was wondering if you uh, if maybe we could start off by just telling us a little bit about how you went from uh, full-time musicians to uh, to a a a radio show about picture books (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's probably Matt you were kind of the starter of that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so when I was in university, I uh, was involved with a number of different uh, community media organizations. I was a journalist for a community newspaper, and then I also uh, hosted a, uh, a program on Trent Radio, which is a phenomenal uh, community radio station in Peterborough. And I just had such a blast. Um, it was like a sort of a literary music show, like all Canadian music. And then I tried to, I'd like read short stories and poetry on the air. Um, and I just had a blast doing it. So when the uh, the idea came uh, for hosting a show and the opportunity presented itself with Midtown, I just like I just was so excited. Um, the fact that the uh, that there were people around who were committed to getting a community station here in in our community. So I jumped at it. Yeah, and I think actually originally you were just gonna do the show with Serena. I 
I don't think that I was as interested in it because I just thought we don't have time on top of our jobs and band and other commitments. We don't have time to do a radio show, but as soon as we started, it was just such a thrill. It was so fun to create a project that people can hear and enjoy. So it just kind of went from there. It was funny because Matt originally approached me and he's such an ideas man. He's come to me and asked me before, did I want to start like a, a newsletter with him? Did I want to start like we should start a school together? Like he, he's got all these great ideas and I'm more of the like, I would say realistic one. And I would say, no, I don't think so. And then he came to me and said, we should start a radio program together. And I was like, oh, I, I don't think so. Uh, I had just had a baby and I thought I don't have time for this. So he kind of got, like um, sucked me in a little bit. Cause he said, you know, let's just start. We're just, we'll just make one. We're just going to do one radio special. And then it, it was, it went really well. It was really fun. Uh, and then he said, you know, why don't we just do one more? And then here we are 18 episodes in. Yeah. <laughs> you always yeah. got to start with that just that little bit. Got to get them interested. Exactly. And the reason we actually switched to the, we did the picture book format was because, you know, the thought of taking on reading, we knew that we wanted to do like a literary show because um, we're all really interested in reading. Um, but the thought of having to read a novel or you know, a book of any size week to week or even every two weeks was just a bit much. And also the three of us are elementary school teachers. So when we started to think about picture books, we thought that's kind of a nice book that, you know, you can read very quickly. Um, there's just so many out there, so many interesting ones. And they're also a really interesting type of media to really dissect and dive into. Like, Picture books are so much more complex than people might think. Um, it's an incredible amount of work that goes into, you know, making a big story and turning it into like a 15 to 30 page book and the illustrations. There's, there's just so much behind the scenes when you really start thinking about it. And you've been able to do some really fantastic specials. You, you did a Mother's Day special. Uh, you have engaged really directly with issues like race and class and, and gender, and you're really being conscious of the educational value of some of these stories that you're, you're looking at. And I really enjoy as a mother with young children, the fact that there's something in the morning that I can put on that might engage their interest as, as well as my own, that it's, it's a story that they like, but also there's a conversation that's happening that is also of interest to me. And I, I, I like the way that Serena characterized it as this Matt having just, let's just record one, because of course, the, of course, the conditions in which you recorded your first episode were very different than conditions now. You had access to the Kitchener Public Library. You had access to that great studio where you just come in and you hit a button and everything's ready to go. Um, and you had access, of course, to the library itself and all of those picture books. So now, recording from your respective homes, how, how have you found setting up uh, the, um, just the sound and the audio and, and dealing with all that technical stuff, but also where are you getting your books from? <laughs> well, that's, um, that's actually one thing that uh, is kind of nice about being in the music field as well. We already had like a little home studio set up at our place. So we do some of our demos for Ida Mountain. 
Allison's recorded some of her stuff. I've recorded some of my stuff there. So yeah. when it came, it was a it was a pretty seamless transition going from recording at Hefner Studios into recording here at home. Like we had the audio equipment and we had the capabilities. It was just a case of figuring out how we could do, um, how we could bring Serena in from obviously from her house and how we could actually get her looped into the uh, the garage band. But like, honestly, it was not too bad. And once we got it figured out, it's actually quite, quite simple. And as much as I love, love, love the Kitchener Public Library and the Hefner Studios, uh, you know, nothing beats recording in your PJs from the couch, so. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It, it has been a little bit of a challenge to get copies of our books. Um, that definitely, it, it was always nice to have the library available to get ones that we didn't have in our own collection at home. So um, thankfully, although I'm not sure if it's uh, totally legal copyright wise, there are actually hundreds and hundreds of picture books on YouTube. Um, a lot of people take books and do like read alouds where they'll show the pictures and often show the text. So right now we've mostly been been uh, copying our books from from YouTube, you know, typing out the text um, or there are some services that have ebooks. Uh, one of them we use is called epic doc or getepic.com. Uh, it has a lot of really great books out there. So as much as we would love to have, you know, hard copies of them and and be reading them right in front of ourselves. Um, you know, online works for now. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I will say about recording from home versus recording at the library is just the sound quality um, at the library is just impeccable. Mm -hmm. It's so great to have that, that, that clear sound um, for all three of us. And I mean, it's just, that is the one technical snag that can happen if you're coming in through Google Hangout or coming in through Zoom. Sometimes like, you'll get echoes in various spots or little like glitches and stuff. And so we do, we do miss the library for, uh, for a lot of things. Yeah. That's great. One, one of the questions I want to add, cause as um, Danielle had mentioned, you've kind of gone on a, on a weekly theme sort of format as you've been moving, um, you know, moving along in let's call it season one. And so, um, now that we're, you know, we're, let's say we're at the halfway point or we're moving into season two, what, uh, what kind of uh, plans do you have for the remainder of 2020 or, or into 21? What are you thinking for season two of the Midtown Bookshelf? Uh, we've kind of played around. We've, we've had some different thoughts about what might come next. Um, I mean, there are endless amounts of picture books and it seems like we're just discovering more and more authors all the time. Like, I, I feel like I have a pretty good knowledge of, of children's books being a teacher, but there are so many out there that are just so amazing. So, I mean, there's always more to look for, but we also have been thinking about um, maybe doing, um, you know, like more teen books, you know, reading short novels or something like that and discussing them. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. We've got right. to have a couple of uh, sort of guests speak, um, not not live interviews, but we've had some people share recordings and we've got to play those. So that's something I think we'll be looking at too, is maybe even having some live guests as well. Yeah, yeah that'd be really interesting. Is there a way um, people can get in touch with you if they have uh, either feedback on some of the episodes that you've done or they have ideas uh, for books or themes or anything like that for shows in the future? Yeah, we, so we have a, a Midtown Bookshelf uh, email account. Uh, it's midtownbookshelf at gmail.com. 
And uh, I mean, we try to, we, we're on it every week to prepare for our show. We have like an ongoing uh, Google Doc that we do all our, our show prep for. And I mean, we will we check the email. I mean, right now we don't really check it too much, but <laughs> if we know that people are gonna be sending things, we can check it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Feels like a lot of ours. That's great. <laughs> thanks very much for uh, participating again. And thanks very much for all of your contributions to, uh, to Midtown Radio. Thank you. Uh, thank you so Good much. Good to talk thank to you. for your contributions as well. I mean, we love, uh, we love the fact that we have this and it's just been a blast getting a chance to, to produce the show. Um, you're listening to uh, the Midtown Radio first anniversary special. I've been speaking with uh, Matthew Rappold, Allison Dijak, and Serena McDermott of the Midtown Bookshelf Show. It's uh, uh, 10 a.m. Sundays. And so, um, yeah, be sure to tune in there. And of course, stick around for more exciting conversation here. i
leaving, but I am not leaving. Yeah, I know the feeling. I know. I've lost it all. I've lost it all. I don't want, want to leave you. Want to leave you. Good evening and welcome back to the Midtown Radio first anniversary special. My name is David Harms and I'm here with Danielle DeVoe and today uh, or in this segment speaking with uh, Randy Johnston and Gary Patineau, two uh, longtime broadcasters in the region uh, that are, are uh, reasonably new to Midtown Radio. And so uh, first let me say welcome to the, to the program and welcome to Midtown Radio. Well, good day, David. Well, hi, David. <laughs> and Danielle, Danielle's sitting there with you. Of course. Hello, Danielle. And Danielle's here as well. Hello. It's, it's always a little awkward doing our uh, first interview together over the the Zoom platform. And I love Zoom. I'm really loving Zoom. I hadn't I hadn't done Zoom obviously before the pandemic, and now I want to have all my conversations this way. Yeah. Now you, you never want to shake another hand, right? It's. Uh, <laughs> I want to take this with me to Tim Hortons drive-through and let them figure it out. So. Um, Randy, let me ask you that. Let me start with that, because I think um, in terms of all the people who are, are presenting on Midtown Radio, you probably have the most uh, on-air experience of anybody. And so um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, um, just your experience getting into radio and, and how you ended up uh, coming up with this concept for the jazz program? Well, I didn't, uh, the long story short, I didn't actually, I didn't, didn't go to school for broadcasting. I got. I fell into it by accident. The uh, I was at C, it was at CKWR, which is Canada's first community radio station, and the gentleman who uh, was on during the day, the weekdays, he uh, retired. And at the time, I was doing a little jazz show because I was doing a jazz gig weekly with my band, and the guy who ran the the bar we were at wanted a radio show, and so he sponsored a show. And I gather. Uh, he didn't, the, the, there was some controversy with he and the station, so uh, they parted ways, but I gather they forgot to take me off the air. So I was still there doing a jazz show for three years, and then the midday guy retired and gave, you know, his two weeks notice, but they needed to find someone who was available and right there, so I just started to do it. And since then, and I, I don't know if there is such a record out there, but by the time I left CKWR, I do still have a jazz show there, but I left there having uh, just just hit the 15,000 live hour mark. So that's, which is, which I'm told is astonishing. It is astonishing. I He's don't know that passed, I... <laughs> he even passed the amazing host of, uh, what was it? Uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Regis I, Philbin. Well, no, I didn't quite pass. Regis Philbin, I believe, had 19,000 hours logged of television 
uh, in his career. And I had 15,000 plus of live radio plus other, you know, stuff. But yeah, so it's, it's, it is, I'm the most famous person you've never heard of. I'm the most broadcast <laughs> individual on planet earth that no, no one outside of this Zoom chat has ever heard of. Well, it's good because I like to tell everybody that you're the most uh, professional of the broadcasters <laughs> that we have at Midtown Radio. So I like to tell people that too. It doesn't make it true. <laughs> so it's, it's actually good that you don't have any training. It really works. It works well. I have, no, I have no training. I, I, no, I, I just, I fell into the job. And I fell out pretty much the same way. And I, and I, uh, I got hooked up with you guys. Uh, it was just about a year. I thought your year anniversary had passed, though. Yeah, not yet. We, um, and it, it, just because there's a, a sort of a few dates around. And so the anniversaries, we're celebrating the, you know, one year of being on the air, of broadcasting 24-7. And so right. to put your right. 15,000 hours in context, we've been on the air for 8,760 hours or something You're like catching this. Up. So, and I, I believe I started just about a year ago, just a little, I can't remember really when I started, but yeah. it was just about maybe six months ago, a year ago. It's gotta be more than six months. I, I, um, I, I feel like we were, we were talking about the, the show developments from probably a year ago. And then, yeah. um, you know, uh, in the fall is when we started moving into the studios and, and some of those new programs came along. So I can't, I honestly can't remember. It's been a, it's been a lovely blur. It's a lovely blur. And it's, it's, it's been a lovely show as well. And so I um, always look forward to hearing that. Now, Gary, um, you've just started a show. You're, you're the newest show on Midtown Radio, Big G Classic Rock, uh, Sundays at 5 p.m. Can you tell us uh, also, how, how, did you, um, how did you get started in radio? And how did you, uh, um, I mean, how did you end up with a classic rock program? Well, it's funny you ask, because uh, one day I walked into a bar and there's this guy emceeing this Cambridge Live music event. And he mentioned this radio station. And during a break, I walked up to him and I asked him, I said, this radio station, I've never heard of it before. He goes, oh, it's a volunteer radio station. It's all run by volunteers. And they're always looking for programmers or something. And I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. He says, email, tell them, let them know that you're interested. They'll hire you. They'll bring you in, find you something to do. And sure enough, that's what I did. And that was uh, six years ago, the end of May. And was, Randolph J. Johnston got me involved with CKWR. And um, a month later, I was playing golf with my brothers in Quebec. And I got a phone call. And this German gentleman asking me if I would like to come and meet with the board of directors of CKWR. Oh, wow. <laughs> sure. Okay. And so we set it up. And uh, I walked in and they said, what do you know about big band music? I said, well, I know uh, Frankie, uh, Frank Sinatra, Tommy Dorsey, Jimmy Dorsey. That's about it. But I said, I love the music. And a month later, I was on the air doing a big band show. So, <laughs> That's it. How, how, did you, how did you make that um, sort of transition then from like big band to classic rock? Well, I uh, ended up... Uh, Due to the programming director's uh, wise move of putting me at 10.30 on Wednesday night, um, I sort of lost my audios. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I was that program director who put, them there, put me there, so I can only play myself. But at the time, it was uh, what had to be done. And so um, we weren't really getting any response for the music. And so I was given an opportunity to do another show and which is still on the air it's called the groove and i like to feature the local artist 
I really do. And uh, I, I've been going to the Blues Festival every year for the last 20 years. I'm going to miss it this year. But uh, seeing all the great local talent that's in the Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge area and Guelph, and it's just so prolific and so good that I just fell in love with it. And that's why I keep on doing that show. That's great. Uh, I, I ask it, uh, I asked the question rhetorically because uh, I learned when we uh, were first getting to, to know each other and got connected through Facebook that we uh, both went to the same high school in Toronto. We did. And, yeah, but David, uh, you graduated, to be fair. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't graduate, to be fair. But, uh, <laughs> ah. and, and when I saw it on it, it's, so for the record, it's Northern Secondary School. And I saw that, I'm like, well, I understand where the classic rock theme comes from. It's Go uh, Red it's Knights. A, it's a great, yeah, it's a great rocker school, uh, Red Knights. And uh, it's certainly where I was... Um, um, introduced and indoctrinated to uh, all forms of classic rock and uh, all the misbehaving that goes with it. So uh, that was great. A shout out to our, our alma mater there. I should also Absolutely. say, um, I, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Ted Ferris, as you both uh, had mentioned, the Cambridge Live Music Festival. And uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, a good, good friend of Midtown Radio as well. Um, he's helped us uh, uh, get connected with a lot of musicians um, uh, uh, particularly Cambridge-based ones that were coming up through that Cambridge Live Music Festival. And um, yeah, that's been super, uh, super helpful um, in terms of, you know, within our first years, we started to really uh, build up the library of, of uh, local content. So good, uh, all good people there. And the other, um, I guess I should mention too, because we're talking about CKWR, is... Um, you know, they're, they're, they're our friends, right? They're, uh, we're, not, we're, <laughs> we're not in competition as community broadcasters. And um, yeah, we've had uh, uh, Martin DeGroote on the, on the show before. I know he does a show there, but he's uh, also part of the board of directors. And um, yeah, it's been fun. And we're hoping to uh, do more collaborative work with, uh, um, with the station in general or just sort of with the other uh, presenters and on our personalities there. So, uh, so it's fun. Excellent. That sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's all it's all a friendly business, right? We're in the the cooperation side of it. So I wanted to ask you guys because of your experience in radio, um, Randy. I'll start with you because I think the um, the inaugural episode of your uh, Midtown Jazz show, um, you, you started off with this massive fanfare, and you were talking <gasps> about it, and it was saying, you know, the start big and the taper off. I wanted something big. So why why is uh, why is the intro like that so important? Why why is that kind of um, you know having a having a large uh, uh, fanfare coming into the show? Why is that so important? Oh, honestly, I and this is just a trick. I just like to have music on in the background because I never know from week to week what the quality is going to be like of the microphone I'm using or the set. So any background noise, you know, people, you know flushing toilets nearby or the dog walking around is masked by having music in the background. So you just put music, so you're not just speaking over, over nothing, you're speaking over some music. And so, yeah, it's basically to hide my mistakes. 
<laughs> See, this is the kind of pro tip that no. we're looking for, right? Yeah. That's a pro. <laughs> That's a pro. Gary, how about you? What's your what's your top tip for uh for recording a radio program either in a studio or at your at your home location? Well, when I was at uh, CKWR and up until March 15th, I uh, we were very lucky that we had uh, our good production engineer there, Rob Daniels, <laughs> and he covered up millions of my mistakes. And uh, he was so valuable that I didn't miss him so much as I missed his talent <laughs> of making me sound smooth when I'm not. <laughs> and so uh, I have to throw it uh, kudos to, to Rob. Um, and now that I'm pre-recording my own shows, my own homegrown shows, um, I can go back and edit all I want. <laughs> so all I have to do, really worry about is making sure I have good music on. And I think I also wanted to say a shout out to Aaron for thank you for his residual audience. I appreciate it. <laughs> if he's on before me and he has the biggest audience, I like that. Maybe a couple will stick around me. Maybe. Yeah, and I think it's really the the whole the transition from studio to home production is such an interesting one. And I, you know, really you were ahead of the COVID curve in terms of uh, Randy, especially you all of a sudden are, are, you're producing this work and now everyone has no choice but to produce their work from their own homes. And we were listening to, you know, even CBC radio, listening to presenters quickly getting home recording up and the quality gradually went up over the first few weeks of isolation. Yeah, when you realize, yeah, with things like out. CBC, you realize how much money could have been saved all along by having people work from home. <laughs> and I don't think it's just broadcasting is learning that. I think a lot of businesses are learning now that, you know, we really could have been doing this from home. Yeah. Know? And so what, is, what, what do you really need in your home studio, though? Like, what, what, what are you using to just give yourself some semblance of professionalism as you sit down? <laughs> To record, you, like you put pants on, you put a hat on, you're ready to go. Hey, hat, well, I don't know what, you can't see the lower half of me right now, so I'm not, I'm saying nothing. I will say, oh dear, I have a, I don't have it handy with me because I didn't plug this in, but I, I use just an old H2 Zoom mic, which has got to be 10, 15 years old, and it still works, there's nothing wrong with it. Right now, the audio you're getting is just straight into the laptop, so there's no actual I should have planned this out better, but right now you're getting the, the just the basic laptop audio, which is not great. And Gary's, uh, I'm, that's a very nice, it's a Labatt Blue, what does that say? It's just called a Blue. A Blue. The Blue, blue microphone. microphone. I actually just got it a couple of weeks ago and I really like it. And it sounds very professional as far as I'm concerned, but, and I use my uh, desktop. So, and yeah. I just, see, I've never ever shopped on Amazon before. Mm -hmm. But since then, I bought a microphone and I bought a new turntable, which is Bluetooth. Oh, yeah. And so now I get to put all my records into MP3 form. And that is really handy. I really like that. So those are my two new tools. Mm -hmm. the, two, the two great uh, pro tips. Yeah, buy a microphone <laughs> and, and play music so you can't hear people flushing the toilet. Well, yeah, that helps. That helps. Uh, but no, but I think I think the thing is that that uh, there is a basic level of of sound quality you need to adhere to. But beyond that, people, I mean, I can't speak for Gary, but my particular show, it's about music. You know, ordinarily, it's about promoting events. And the last several months have you know put a nail in that 
coffin as far as there are no events to talk about other than what people are doing in their own homes online. And a lot of musicians locally have gone back to teaching or doing uh, streaming concerts, that sort of thing. But as far as live music, there is none right now. Hopefully that'll change soon. But, you know, safety first. Yeah, I am, I am so glad to hear that Bob Egan is now part of the city of Kitchener. Uh, because I think uh, the the local artists and musicians are going to really uh, appreciate the fact what he can do for them because he is a wonderful man and he's done a wonderful job at the KPL. And when I he's think listening, he's you see his little light come on there. <laughs> he's, there he is. Oh, oh, oh he, yeah, his maybe we'll maybe we'll ask uh, ask Bob to jump back into the conversation if he uh, if he wants to uh, retort at all. Yeah, you say his name three times and he appears. It's amazing. <laughs> His ears must be burning. <laughs> well, all I can say is this, and uh, anybody who's been around as long as I have knows this. Uh, music, radio, the arts and culture enrich our lives so much. So if you've had any measure of success, you feel a, a responsibility deep inside to give back and do whatever you can uh, to help out the others. And everyone here on this call and at this station is doing exactly that. So I'm, I'm just part of a, a much larger ecosystem and I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, thanks Excellent. for what you do, Bob. And, and Bob, I think we also met through Ted Ferris. So Ted Ferris really is a king of kings. He, yeah, yes. he's, the, he's the great connector. He is the great connector. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. That's fantastic. So um, I know we're all looking forward to uh, to live events coming back. Um, we're talking about the difference between recording in the studio or recording at home, and and I know personally, you know, one of the one of the things, uh, one of the great advantages of community radio is that we're able to um, you know meet up in person and hang out, and uh, and there's a great social component to it, and so. This is one of these things, uh, it's possible, uh, like Randy, like you said, it's possible for the CBC to record at home, but you know, maybe it's just better if they're, if they're all in the studio together. So that's probably a good, uh, a good note to, to end this um, segment on. Uh, you're listening to the Midtown Radio um, first anniversary special. And in this uh, segment, I've been speaking with Randy J Johnson of the Mondo Rando Jazz Program, Saturday afternoons, Gary Patineau, who's doing Big G's Classic Rock at uh, Sunday at 5 p.m. Um, with a, a quick cameo at the end here uh, with uh, Bob Egan. And so hopefully everybody can stick around and we'll hear more stories coming up from our first year on the air. You're listening to the Midtown Radio Anniversary Special. We've been on the air for one year today. Uh, we're very excited to continue bringing local music to you, local programming to our Midtown community. Uh, you just heard uh, an interview with two of our uh, stellar DJs. We have got uh, Rando with his Jazz Hour on Saturdays and um, Big G with his classic rock program, a newly uh, created program on Sundays uh, in the early evening. And we um, also got to hear a quick little cameo in that interview from Bob Egan, who we will be chatting with uh, in our next hour of this, this special. So uh, we're going to take a break right now and, and leave you with a few uh, songs, some local music, as we always uh, uh, feature on, on Midtown Radio. And when we come back, you're going to hear a feature interview with Bob Egan and also a 
um, a couple of pieces from the Kitchener Public Library's podcast competition that uh, they uh, presented in the, the winter and that uh, Midtown Radio was involved in. And some of the, the winners and runners-up from that competition continue to be involved in Midtown Radio. So it's uh, a really great, uh, the competition itself was a great opportunity to find new talent, new, new young people uh, producing audio content, and, and finding a home for it here on Midtown Radio. So I'm really looking forward to sharing some of those with you and, and, and thinking about some of the ways that community radio uh, and, and institutions like the public library can really support creativity and, and production, uh, especially right now in our homes when we're all looking for ways to express ourselves and reach out to the world out there. So please stay with us, and we'll be right back after... This quick uh, break for a couple of songs uh, with uh, the continuation of our anniversary special. <laughs> <laughs> 